Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by 12 by 12. Picture book authors, you need to be fairly prolific to be published. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month. Through an online forum, monthly webinars, a private Facebook group, and more, members enjoy the accountability, support, and motivation of a fantastic community of authors and illustrators. And I say fantastic, and I mean it. I have been part of that group myself. I love the community there. Registration is only open in January and February, so visit 12by12challenge.com slash membership for more information. That's 12x12challenge.com slash membership for more information. I mean, in the way, there is a connection a little bit to this book uh, we are talking about because these kids had no idea what is going on and somehow ended up somewhere else and then still made most of it, however uh, tragic it was because they sometimes lost their families. But um, kids are very resilient, but this is very hard on you and, and the perspective because April sounds really good from the distance, but it's still a long time to go. Hello and welcome to the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 656. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner or PayPal at Children's BK Pod if you want to support the show. Today I'm joined by Peter Cease, author and illustrator of Nikki and Vera, the quiet hero of the Holocaust and the children he rescued. Peter has had a storied career in children's literature with many, many beloved books on many, many library shelves throughout the world. But today, Peter brings to us a book that's been with him his whole life, and it's all centered around a single question, how does one do good things in life? Please welcome my guest, Peter Cease, author and illustrator of Nikki and Vera, the quiet hero of the Holocaust and the children he rescued. Hello, everybody. My name is Peter Seas, which would be pronounced Seas as uh, oceans and seas. I um, came to America from the country which doesn't exist anymore. It used to be called Czechoslovakia. Now it's Czech Republic and Slovakia. 
I was born there in the city called Brno, Brno, and my name was Petr Sis. Once I came to America in 1982, I became Peter Sis. So my children now are Madeleine Sis and Matej Sis because they lost that little accent, so they don't have to deal with um, talking about the oceans and the seas. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to welcome you to the show and and really just to welcome you into this space. You've been a presence in my library, in my career in education and in, in, in teaching in the library for years. I've admired your work and I'm so grateful that both of our paths have brought us together today. Thank you for sitting down to talk to me. Oh, thank you very much. I'm, you can't see me now how I'm blushing. It's always <laughs> nice to hear. Oh, of all the words, Peter, that I've saved up for you over these years, they're all just going to come pouring out. <laughs> well, I, um, I, I remember actually, just to take an aside, before we talk about your new book, I remember, I think the first time I started to know your name, and perhaps others uh, who have been teaching for 15 or so years are, are in the same world as me, is that I, I came to know your name and your voice as an artist through a book called Scranimals that you did with uh, Jack Prolutsky. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was fun. And that was also confusion because I did a number of books which were about how things really work, like a book about uh, Charles Darwin or Galileo Galilei. And here was the book which is actually making fun of all that. So uh, <laughs> I was getting more uh, messages from the teachers or librarians who said, well, you know, like, this is this is like making fun of things. You should explain how the orange really grows. So I think it was a great fun. I, I had lots of fun with Jack Prelatsky. I did a number of books with him. And this was probably the most enjoyable because it was uh, it was really so much fun. That's wonderful. Well, that that voice that you that I came to know you from in that book through your art, I, I've I've recognized and seen throughout everything that you've done. But as you said, the books that that bear your name alone as author and illustrator often do uh, lift up a life that we may know a lot about or our readers may be hearing about this person for the first time. Um, and and so we get to today's story, which is Nikki and Vera, a, a quiet yeah. hero of the Holocaust and the children he rescued. Do you want to talk just a, a brief bit about what, what is this book for folks that don't know this story yet? Well, I don't know yet how to like uh, how to book relate. Talk it. <laughs> yeah, how to book talk it like in the. But I want to say that this is a book which is with me my whole life because I was, I grew up in Prague and that's uh, the place where uh, this story sort of originates. And I always heard stories and I grew up with people whose parents or who whose siblings uh, lived in, in London during the war. There were stories about the people who left on the trains. There were stories about the uh, people who came back, but it never was sort of put together. And, and living in the country like Czechoslovakia, because it was in the times of the Cold War and, and lots of news were sort of hearsay and people were just whispering about it. So nobody was really looking for how did it happen and who who was responsible for that. And then I remember um, in 1995, uh, just hearing about Nicholas Vinton. So what I have to say, like, just before the Second World War, it was a number of children who 
left for England on the trains and survived the war uh, in in England and and came back after the war. And they were one of the few ones who didn't perish in the concentration camps. And it was quite unique, but somehow as a child, you didn't question how it happened. So what what the story turned out to be about this very quiet man who was a young uh, businessman going really on ski vacation. He had a Christmas vacation like we have now, like December or something. And he was going to ski in some mountains in Europe. And his friends had come to Prague because there are like things happening here which are really serious. And he came to Prague to see his friend and he found out that Prague is full of these uh, refugees and little children who are living in in some uh, camps with, with rain and mud. And he said, I have to help to to um, solve the situation. And because he was like new to that part of the world, he would see right away, this is a great danger coming. There might be war, these children might be in danger. And what is interesting is that other people said, no, no, it won't get that serious. It can't be Germany. Yeah, so it was like nobody would see it as bleak as he did. And he also knew he doesn't have very much time. And there were other people who were trying to help these children and refugees and they were making lists of people who one day might go to America or England. But he knew as an Englishman that England has got this law that any child under 17 can come to England temporarily. And and if he finds the family of foster parents or of people who would take care of this child and puts down certain amount of money, assuring that the, that the child will go back home after the dangers are over, it can be done. So he started to make lists uh, of these children and... And he arranged for eight trains which left in in the uh, time of 1939 between uh, March and September for England. And he saved 669 children or 700 children which left on these trains. The last train got caught 1st of September 1939. Germany attacked Poland, which in the way led to the declaration of the Second World War. Yeah. And all borders closed and th- this train never made it. And, and it's one of is, your most devastating spreads in this entire yeah. book. And it's really more like uh, to play on the emotions because the <sighs> picture is really the train, I think, never left. And and so I just try physically to show the devastation of that. And I think it had impact on him, they, they say. I mean, I, I'm in touch with his daughter. Nobody quite knows, but he was such a man of like he knew his... He can't do anything more about it. So he put all his documents into into the crate. Um, he was in the Second World War. He got enlisted as the ambulance driver, and then he was uh, with RAF. And and after the war, he he just did whatever he did and met this wonderful young uh, lady from Denmark. He got married, had three children. Never talked about it. Never would be saying, "I saved children. I am a hero." So he was quiet businessman living outside of London until. She, his wife, was cleaning um, the attic, like in 1985, I guess, and she found this crate and and found a scrapbook with all the different pictures and tickets and lists. And she said, "What should I do with it?" He said, "Ah, throw it out. It's a long time ago." And wow. she said, "No, no, no, I can't throw it out. These are lives of people." And she took it to um, the professor who was doing research on on Holocaust, and they actually realized this is amazing because all of a sudden they had a person real person behind 
what happened. And they started to call these children who by now were 50 years older than when they came to England. And uh, 669 children who came to England were between ages of three years old, I think, uh, maybe even younger, but... Up to up 17 now, yeah. Up to 17. So they, they, I think from all these children, they tried to contact, some of them moved, some of them... So they got 200 or 300 uh, calls back and they invited everybody to this television show where Nicholas Vinton was invited as well and under the false sort of idea that because he was also involved with the retirement homes and stuff so he thought this is going to be programmed and he will be just sitting in the audience and all of a sudden they started to talk about him oh and before the show started he wanted to sit somewhere and they just put him in certain place and all these <laughs> sort of gray-haired ladies no actually very nice ladies were sitting next to him and and, and he didn't know why because they were like smiling at him and everything and <laughs> he wasn't comfortable and he then the 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 famous sort of uh, I don't know how to call it anchor or compare the lady who was announcing the show started yeah. to to talk about his life and he realized oh my god she's talking about me and he said there is a man here who saved all these children and if there's any anybody who knows anything about it or please stand up and all of a sudden all these people around him stood up. And he's so visibly, it's like a best moment on live television ever because he's so deeply touched yet. He's this reserved um, man who, who's sort of like wiping the tear from his eye. And these ladies next to him um, are kissing him. And in fact, one of them is Vera, who's also part of my book. And he becomes hero to all these children because they are living in England, in Israel, in America, some of them even back in in. in Czech Republic, but they really didn't know whole life who was responsible to save them. And they were wondering why were we saved and our families were not saved, as lots of people did after the war. Wow. They only uh, know that their families put them on a train, some only... to return not having any family who Absolutely. survived the Holocaust. Wow. Right. right. And they they say, I have this amazing, that was one, one of the sources of my, um, of my inspiration was the interview of this woman. Um, whose name is Vera Gissing, and she did interview with University of Delaware. And they, they say, so how do you consider yourself? How are you as a survivor of Holocaust? And she says, I'm not really considered by the uh, survivors of Holocaust as being a victim of Holocaust because we left on the train before our whole families disappeared and vanished. But we were always wondering how come we were the chosen ones to survive or how did we get here? How did we become what we became? There is another of these children who lives in New Haven who wrote beautiful book, My Train to Freedom. And he dedicates, like most of these children dedicate their whole life to be helping other people or to do something for mankind to to be, because they are all have this, this feeling like we have to help because we were helped, I think. I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't know how, how of course, how they feel, but it's incredible, this this whole idea of of becoming scientists, doctors, nurses, and being being helpful. So like yeah. this Ivan ba Becker, who lives in New Haven, his whole life he works in community relationships between uh, people of different different color and different races, and it's it's very touching to see them. I'm speaking now to about four of the surviving children and uh, daughter of Nicholas Vinton and daughter of Vera, who's not well. 
and and they are all very giving and very loving people. I didn't say that much about Vera yet. So with this book, so the story of, of Nicholas Vinton was so good. And I knew the story for about 20 years now. But yeah. And I always thought it would be great to do something about it. They made a film. They made um, a 60 Minutes program. He was wonderful because he lived to age 115, I think. Wow. And he, <laughs> he was a wonderful man. So, And I wanted to do something about it, but there was no way how to tell just the story of somebody who was so good and then he didn't say anything for 50 years. How do you draw it? Or how do you do it? And then I found this by coincidence book of Vera Gissing, who was a little girl, age nine or no, she was age nine when she talks about her life as a little girl. But at age 11, she was put on this train and went to England, stayed with wonderful family and ended up living in England. And because of her book of her memoirs, uh, I, I realized that, she, that this would be a great uh, sort of like the other story which would go through the book. So the reader, the child who sees the book can somehow see how life would um, be maybe for, for a little girl in that time. There was actually sort of I, I <laughs> of my wife who, who sort of helped me out because I was stuck in it how to do it. And what is amazing about this book about about little Vera is that she had this really idyllic life living in the small town outside of Prague when everybody was um, behaving well, everybody was happy. Uh, she mentions that the fact her, she was one of the only or few Jewish families or families of uh, of Jewish uh, descent living there, but it wasn't important because people were just friendly. And Czechoslovakia being... Um, being sort of new country established with help of Woodrow Wilson in 1918 was everybody was very excited about this country and very nationalistic. They loved the president Masaryk and she was singing national anthem and everything sounds and, and her father had a horse. She would be taking to the river to uh, in the evenings and she would be climbing the trees. She was like a tomboy and collecting uh, uh, butterflies and, uh, and mushrooms and whatever. So all of a sudden comes this moment of 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 like danger, which she's not aware of because her mother is more aware of what's happening um, Cross the border and she goes to Prague and the relatives or the friends say, you know, this is not going to end well, probably. You, there's this Englishman who's making lists of children who might be able to go to England. So the mother signs her up and her sister too, and, and they are supposed to go to England. And the father says, no, but how can you send these little girls? They are 11, 13, and they go so far because England is so far and it's before people travel so much. And and so uh, the mother says, no, this is maybe safer. They just go few, for a few months and then things will, you know, so calm down and they come back home and they become heroes in their own little town that they are going on this trip to England where they have a kink and it's the it's across the channel. And so they leave on the train and um, they live through the war. First, they are getting letters and packages from home and then they stop coming. And only like in 1943 or 44, she she's in the school in Wales with the other children who came on the train and they hear some broadcast from BBC that they there is um, there are these camps where the Jewish people go and, and they are suspecting they are being uh, killed there. And this is the first time oh. she... 
about something, the possibility. At the same time, she's adolescent, and and then she lives with this fear. They all live with this terrible fear through the war, but there are no news uh, coming across. The war is uh, everywhere, and and they only becoming like young teenagers. And then in the end of the war, she finds out that her. I have it in the book. I sort of simplified lots of things because she finds out really that her mother did get out of. Bergen Belsen, which is liberated by English, but she gets typhoid, and a few days after the end of the war, she dies. But so she goes back home and she doesn't find anybody. And it's just so tragic because the house is still there, the wallpaper is still there, uh, everything, everything she can see is still there, but the parents are not there. And then in the book, I have she loves all the animals and she they call her Queen of the Cats. So when she's a young girl, I have her with all these cats from the village, which follow her. And she meets one of the cats when she comes back home after the war. And somebody says, well, maybe it's just the granddaughter of one of your cats. So she doesn't stay because it's all too sad and, 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 and goes back to goes back to England where she has a family. She has children, just like just like uh, Nicholas Winton. Yeah. And they might be even living. I had one idea which I was playing with, like the map, and they're living next to each other, and they have no idea who they are. And then she gets a phone call, and that's a phone call of the of the researcher. And they say, "Don't you don't you want to come to this television show because we will be talking with some of your friends, and it might be interesting." But they don't tell her again what 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 it's about. And then she finds out through the program that Nicholas Winton is the man who was responsible or who made this whole plan work and the train trains go and and then then all these children become sort of very attached to him and in the end of his life he has somebody visiting every day uh, and they beautiful. find out that, that he also that he also it, it wasn't easy to get the whole train sort of like to pay the tickets to make sure the train can cross the borders through Nazi Germany, really, through Holland, then come to England where they were supposed to have visas. Sometimes the visas were late, so he sort of faked the papers and they got the proper papers on the border, so he just made it useful for the passage. Then he had to go and put ads in the papers and magazines in England finding uh, foster families. And I have a pages from these newspapers is so touching and i think it would happen today too that people say i'm working in the in the mines and we have one child but we would be able to take care of one child which would come you know mm. from from the country of so it was very giving of uh, people were wonderful and took care of these kids and and i just somehow wanted to relate the story to how would i tell the story today and i don't know if if I did, uh, you know, book book is I haven't seen the printed book yet. It's coming any day now, like probably <laughs> as, a, as a Christmas present. But yeah. so um, I don't know how it works. And you are one of the first people I can talk about it. Uh, well, I, I'm 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 honored to. And I think that, gosh, even just to hear you share the story is so beautiful. Children's Book Podcast is brought to you by TeachingBooks.net, who strive to personalize each reader's connections to children's and young adult books. Discover thousands of resources that bring books and reading to life. Sign up for free today at TeachingBooks.net.
as I read one amazing connection I saw was to, to then and now was just a humanity's ability to have compassion and love despite atrocities going on in the world to be accepting people from you know halfway across the continent that you don't know these these children and yet you are welcoming them in you are caring for these kids who as you said uh, often were, were growing up just like Vera not even knowing what was going on to their parents or to their homeland right um, I think there's there's incredible things in this story and that that Winton was just this man as you said that would just he kept all those records the crate stayed with him and stayed you know in his attic or wherever but that he was fine just sort of ignoring it you write in the end of your story um it said 669 children would not have survived if not for nikki who went to prague and saved their lives i was not a hero nikki said i did not face any danger as real heroes do i only saw what needed to be done i just think that's that's an incredible bit of of selflessness and one that's really, I think, hard earned by we as readers following his story and following really the the what happens in these 50 years after he puts away um, all of his paperwork, not being able to do any more. And we then continue with Vera living her life and really, really understanding through through that sort of survivor um, perspective, um, w- what it means to pick up the pieces from post-war, I think it's beautifully done. I'm glad that 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 Vera ended up being this missing piece to how you wanted to tell this story because I think it works really well. Think, thank you so much. There, there were also like all these other things. I did lots of reading and lots of research. And in the way it, 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 there were like these stories about the trains. These were like the peaceful trains or good trains because they were taking children to safety the direction west. Then there were so many other trains going east to these camps later on, which were like the, uh, the trains of death, which, so it's all to do with trains. And then in the same time, daughter of Nicholas Vinton, Barbara, you know, he probably wouldn't, there wouldn't be no traces of him if it would be his way because he was very much matter of fact. And uh, he he was given this book with the names and with the numbers and with the lists uh, by the people who thought already the world of him when he did what he did in Prague. So he had this book as a memory of the time. He didn't collect it himself. And probably if he wasn't given this, this scrapbook, he it wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to talk about it. Then there was another wonderful story that when he's on the board of, uh, he, 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 I think he's, he's he's a founder of one of the like the most influential uh, retirement home chain in England called Abbott houses. So he was like on the, he always did some sort of good things if it was for the mental hospitals or the retirement homes. And he's on the board of, of that organization. And there's a man who has a terrible accent like I do. And, and Vinton says, hello, I'm Vinton. And he says, I'm Mr. Vessel. He said, Mr. Vessel, how do you, how did you get this accent? And he says, I came as a child from, from Czechoslovakia to England. 
And 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 Nicholas Vinton says like and and how did how did you come? He says on the train. He said and which train did you come on? And Mr. Vesely's not sure because he was a little child. So uh, Vinton asks him like about a month, and he says uh, July. And and so he said I'll, I'll I'll find out for you when like what train did you come on? And he goes home somehow to his scrapbook, and then he comes back to the meeting next time and says Mr. Vesely, you came on this train which went on the 17th of July, something, and Mr. Vesely says, thank you, now I know. But he doesn't say, how do you know He doesn't that? say how, he still leaves it out. <laughs> and that, was a, that was a funny story then in the TV studio when he when they come for this, this amazing um, this amazing revelation in the TV studio. The only person Nicholas Vinter recognizes as Mr. Vesely, who he knows. He says, Mr. Vesely, come on, sit next to me. And these ladies say, no, no, he can't sit next to you. We have to sit next to you. <laughs> so I love these little, little touching stories. It's, uh, he's, yeah, <laughs> he's such an amazing character in that way. I mean, true life person. But I can imagine the fascination of wanting to write about him. I love that when we meet Nikki, when we meet Vera, we uh, your art just has... It has sort of a, a, a themed tone about it, if you will. But Nikki has these golds and blues about him, and um, or, or silvers, I mean, and blues. And and Vera, when you turn, is is these golds and yellows, uh, and to see those colors come together and to 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 really play into the, as you were saying about Vera, as you were saying about Nikki, the joy and the. The way that you can tell they loved life or, or were admired for the way they walked through life and how then th- this this great act impacted them both. It's it's truly a wonderful story. I really enjoyed it. And I love that this, this picture book is one of, gosh, I don't know how many pages. I love that there is space in here for you to tell their stories and, and by alternating through not only these color schemes, but through the different font and having these pages that can be, for example, I'm reading um, in March 1939, the German army invaded the rest of Czechoslovakia. And in this large trim picture book that that <laughs> that is this book, you just have three quarters of the page is just these these tanks and military vehicles driving through the town and um and the the art there's so much imagery always in your art that that's sort of why I led I think with scranimals is because I've I've come to study closely your books I know the thought you put into every corner of your page but on that page in particular to go from Nikki collecting this information about these individuals to then have those bits of 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 identification become the blocks that are the buildings in the town being invaded that's just one example of of that imagery you you weave into the story and it's so powerful thank you thank you I, that's why i love books because i came i i came to to america really for a few months to make an i, I was <clears throat> well known in europe in animation and after i won uh, Berlin Film Festival. I came to America to make animated films, and I always thought animation is the best way to tell stories. And I got into books by sheer uh, sort of coincidence because of Maurice Sendak. And then slowly but surely, I realized the books give me chance to. Uh, and maybe it was also because the English is not my mother's tongue, and how would I 
express uh, feelings and things. So I try to sort of combine the visual with the text. Sometimes it works, sometimes probably it doesn't work. Sometimes people, it's it works on different levels. So for me, it's a joy because it's like creating some 3D sort of between book, bit, between word, between film uh, idea. Yes, yes, I can see that. <laughs> and I love that. I love that my other, my other favorite, not trick, but just sort of turn of the artist's hand that you do is that Vera was handed this diary that she writes in every day. But on the three pages, the three sequential pages of that, we have that the background is just these sort of blank diary pages with illustrations of of different things, perhaps of different words that she's learning in this new language. And as you turn it, the pages begin to fill uh, with text and then you turn again and it's just these like small tiles of of diary I, I th- there's so much like that that it I was, feel like is carried through it was my own experience of like how from the was it? <laughs> immigrant you become you know like you know nothing about uh, the habits of the country you know nothing about apple pie or baseball or yeah, uh, I can and see that slow, in the art yes you learn and, this is the and, food, and, she, and here's the yeah, bicycle, and, she, and here's she the... never had. A, yeah, she never had fish and chips, and she loved yes. bicycle, and she loved the. She was for the first time she would get to the sea and taste the salty water, and so there was like lots of these experiences. When I thought I will fill that diary later, and then I realized that well, she didn't know anything. She she loved. She was hungry, and she loved bread, but the bread in England was white and soft, and she sneaked at night to get some bread with. Some it was sort of she would put butter on it and it was some lemon uh, custard or something it was absolutely terrible. So it's all these culture experiences which were so so sweet and also what probably I didn't didn't have really space enough. The people were so awfully kind because most or very often the people who the foster families for these children were not really well to do and and they were just like. Um, really making sure that these children are happy, and then of course Germans started to to bombard uh, England, and and very often they were living in dangerous situations themselves. That's how Vera then moves to Wales and goes to the special school because that's away from the bombings of Liverpool and and London and industrial areas. And I I would hope because like with the page where I included Kristallnacht and I included the annexation of Austria. There was a big discussion, and this is not just my choice, but the editor and uh, the art director and uh, my wife, that you would hope that if somebody wants to know more of what happened, you can just uh, easily find out these days because you can uh, use some device which will tell you what it is. I just simply didn't have space enough to say Annexation of Austria happened, you know, 39. Uh, so so it's just these these signals that the life was really um, hard and, and dark in that time. And I would hope that if you are interested some more, you can find out more. Well, I think that's sort of the brilliance of how much detail that you are known for putting into your art. And you certainly do in Nikki and Vera is that there there's so much to study on the page that it, it can lead to further investigation, further research. Um, I'm, I'm sure you spent you spent 20 years knowing knowing um, Nicholas Winton's story. You, you know so much to, to, to put it into a single picture book. 
um, and still leave space for the readers to have questions and to seek answers, I think is wonderful. Peter, when you create your art, are you are you working from a storyboard or you do you discover details as you go so much in your art i notice feels oh i mean if we look at the 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 um the scene where nikki's a guest on the television show you've got a camera aimed at him and it's sort of like a spotlight and there are people around him but surrounding the the border of that is just all of these snapshots of 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 history passing i wonder how compositions uh come for you again do you do you storyboard in the beginning or do you sort of discover as you I go do, i do because it's that's my that's my history of um, from film from that film that's I, storyboard, I, I storyboard everything but then i go into sketches and then what's happening now with the advanced age i used to go i used to be very sort of uh, daring and just go into the finish and it went very fast <laughs> and now i'm more like cautious it doesn't go so far sometimes i do few variations and some things take time to settle but i also know from my experience that even i don't have uh, something completely resolved in the beginning or i that i still might change it and sometimes it happens exactly as you said while i'm using uh, let's say i would be cross hatching whole day i will come up with another idea and or unfortunately or fortunately i mean i i love to be uh I shouldn't say hiding things, but to work with these different levels, <laughs> yes. because I grew up in the country when you had to hide everything because everything you would say how it is and uh, the truth would be dangerous. So the truth was very often hidden or suggested. And I still like the, the, the idea of the of the layers. But uh, frankly, I, I <laughs> it is more like something which nobody knows uh, that much about, because luckily uh, my my home country, my home country is free, and my old country is also free. So you, I shouldn't be uh, forced to do that. But it also is part of the discussion because I should have said in the beginning the this discussion how I got really into doing this was also when we were having uh, talk with my son who was 15 then, and we were talking about about how does one do um, good things in life? How one can do great things in life. How can one become hero and um, in the quiet way? How can one help uh, people and society? So that's how we got to the story of Nicholas Winton, because it's so. Um, I used to do many books about people who I picked from the history being heroes of science or, or travelers, explorers. It's so given because as a little boy, I had these books about some somebody who would be a captain and go on the ship through the stormy seas and come to faraway countries. So he was sort of hero because who else would dare to do it? And all of a sudden we have like lots of people who are heroes and we don't even know about them. And uh, I'm very impressed by that. I'm impressed now people uh, helping with food and helping people who are not so uh, so fortunate. As with Winton, I found out they were like other people. Like was a Japanese diplomat in Lithuania, I think. And he, against the orders from the, Ch- the Japanese emperor, just before the beginning of the Second World War uh, as well, he issued, issued thousands of visas for these Jewish families in Lithuania who were able to then travel and get 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 out before they would be they would be put into concentration camp and he he came to some 
bad end because of course it was against the Japanese rules but he was a humanitarian who realized I have to help these people so they, I, I'm sure I could find many 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 people who um, were these quiet heroes As I'm told that Nicholas Winton had number of people helping him in Prague he couldn't be because what was amazing that he came for three week vacation when he realized the danger put everything in place found three or four people who would be helpful uh, in Prague, went to London, and only in London he started to apply for these foster families and visas. And and what was also amazing, that he was working in the bank in the daytime, and then he would come home, and with his mother, they filed all these documents in the evening. And he um, he made it all all work, which is sort of unbelievable, because this is before he could do it on online he had to do it mailing things and 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 he never took credit i know that i would go and say hey i saved you know even one child i would be proud of and it was 700 children yeah well it's amazing i'm so grateful for your work here i love the details i also love that you threw out there <laughs> that sometimes you spend a day cross hatching <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes how goes, but it's a good thing too because sometimes it's like when you don't have a good day, you go like, well, I don't have to invent anything. I just be cross hatching. Oh, that's true. Okay, I can you see know? that. So that's good. But now I'm nervous because none of the children I'm in touch with, I didn't want to send them just like a JPEG of the book. So mm. I'm waiting for the book to come from the printers, and then I will mail it to these people I know, and I just hope they will tell me. I'm just worried that will they say this is the proper way how to celebrate him or you didn't tell this or you didn't tell that and this is a new thing to me because with most of my books i was dealing with uh, people from the past and and so i couldn't ask uh, galileo or unfortunately even my father with my book about tibet like how do you like it so this is uh, now um, this is going to be a moment when I will just wait for their phone call or letter or message. They will say it's okay. I like that. There's something sort of poetic and beautiful about that, that, that at this point in your accomplished career, you're now doing something that, that the subjects, as it were, the, the, the focal points in this book are, are living and will, will see this book. I think that um, like a reader seeing themselves in a book, uh, what I would expect back at some point is just some people saying, oh, you missed this. Can we do <laughs> another book and we can add it? <laughs> and just see like the way that, I think the, uh, the capacity yeah, uh, for, for human beings to share their stories is a beautiful thing. And I think, Peter, what you've done here is you've you've shared or you've started a conversation about stories that um, that will hopefully allow even more voices to be heard in this and and even more readers more children to be curious about those voices i think an awful lot about how much living my grandparents and even my parents have done the history that they have lived through and then as their child or grandchild how much have i asked about what it meant for them to experience that or to live through that whether or not they, they even have a, a, a real working memory of it, or if they just, in this case, like with Vera, were sort of on a train and didn't really know why, and then suddenly life changed. So I think you, you've done beautiful work here, and I actually also cannot wait to hear what you hear back. Um, I, I look forward to that for you. Congratulations on well, thank you so much, the release of another beautiful book, Peter. Thank you.
I appreciate it. Um, I want to close actually by giving you an opportunity to speak directly to all of your readers, really, of any age. Um, as I do uh, traditionally on this podcast, that will end this way. Peter, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Well, I was thinking about it, and throughout the years as a children's book author and illustrator, I was always saying, keep on dreaming or keep on reading. or, And it, it sounds so like uh, detached, and I was thinking about what, how, how special it is uh, today when uh, it's remote learning and with power of books. And remember as a child when I, I was not feeling good about where I was living in, in the country which was oppressed, I would... I would have books to go to, which took me to other places. And and I had dreams about these books. And I thought, what is great about being a child and having books and having imagination is that I I, I miss being a child, which when, when I was little and would have a wonderful dream, I was able to somehow make myself go back to that dream to enter the dream sometimes i was upset because i couldn't enter exactly the same place where i was which was fantastic but i was in the same dream and then one day when i found out i'm grown up i I just couldn't do it anymore so i would tell all the children that uh, they should enjoy this amazing power they have that they can enter the dream in the place of their choosing and in the same time, more books they will read, they will have more places they can go to. I don't think it works the same way with like uh, films or video games, uh, video games, because I think the books give you this uh, landscape which you can invent and build and you can fly and you can dive and you can enter your dreams. That's what I would say. Well, that's our show. Thank you so much, Peter, for joining us today and for sharing this wonderful book. I've been inviting picture book authors to share their upcoming picture books and our credits. So I'm now going to pass over the mic to another friend and I will see you next week. This is Lauren Kirstein, author of the Rosie the Dragon and Charlie series, and Home for a While. You can learn more about my books by visiting www.laurenkirstein.net. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 650 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Podington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. Want to help out the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Matthew C. Winner. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Matthew, with two T's, C. Winner. And your support and contributions will directly support and impact my work here. And always, writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, 
or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.